Today we play golf. Let me show you how we do it in the pros. Welcome to Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. I never miss with the seven iron. A conversation with some of the most interesting innovators and entrepreneurs behind the biggest names in golf. My friends were the golf clubs. I lived on the golf course. I lived on the driving range. From pro talk. You should learn something from each and every single round you play. To fun from on and off the green. Why would you play golf if you don't play it for money? Just let me put the ball in a hole. This is Behind the Golf Brand Podcast with Paul Liberatore. Behind the Golf Brand Podcast is sponsored by On Point, the revolutionary three-dimensional domed golf ball marker. On Point provides alignment recognition as small as a degree of inaccuracy from the planned course of the putt face angle. Endorsed by Jim Furyk, U.S. Open champion and 17-time PGA Tour winner. On Point alignment technology has been proven to increase putting performance and help lower your score. Visit onpointgolf.us and be sure to use code GA10 for a 10% discount. On point, make more putts. What's up, guys? Paul from Golfers Authority. Uh, once again, I don't know what podcast episode I'm on, but that's okay because there'll be a big number on it when I publish it. Um, this week, I have my friend Zach. Zach has a very cool story and it's a very cool company. Um, Zach is from Rooted Solutions and Zach is, I don't know, I looked up, I've been talking to Zach for a while now and his stories are awesome. And he's been in the industry for a long time and has seen a lot of brands grow. And uh, I thought, you know, I need to get Zach on the show because I think people need to know more about like behind the scenes of a lot of these brands. It's really cool. So without further ado, I'm not going to say his last name because it's hard for me to say it, even though I have a far last na- long last name too, is my friend Zach. Coach of Chichaus. How's it going, Paul? <laughs> Just kidding. That's not how you say his last name, you guys. So, um, <laughs> but that's okay. My last name's Liberatory, and I've been called everything in the book. So, I don't know. I don't want to butcher it too bad. So then he's going to be like, I'm off the show. So, Zach, welcome to the show. Tell me about where are you at? You're at your office? I'm at home, like most people these days. You have a dry erase board, your house? That's cool. Oh, yeah. You're brilliant. See, that's next level stuff, a dry erase board. I love dry erase boards because I don't know. A lot of people don't have them anymore because they can just do it on the computer. And they're like, oh, I can do it on the computer. I'm like, yeah, but then I'd rather have a dry erase board and take a picture with my phone and I remember it. Like, I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, is, that your, mean, is that your command center or what? It's my command center. But um, I don't know. Like a lot of people, I try not to be on my phone when I'm not working. So if I come up with a great idea when I'm not doing something, you know, I don't want to go to my phone or my iPad or my laptop or whatever. So I run down here and I scribble it on the dry erase board and I don't have to think about it anymore. That's smart. I did it in law school. We had dry erase boards everywhere. And I was always writing stuff down. You know, it's. I think it's easier to map stuff out too when you have a dry erase board. I don't think doing it on a computer is that helpful. Especially if you want to remember it. I don't know. You have two dry erase boards. Was that a, or is that a mirror? No, it's another dry erase. It's just uh-huh. got you know random notes, and this is like you know sketch moments. But um, you play hangman yeah, on I mean, it. <laughs> no, I'm not playing any hangman on <laughs> oh, okay. it. Okay, I would be, but just kidding. So is that so is that is that in the office in your house or is that like in your basement? Yeah, so I have turned the basement into a, kind of an office man cave. So you know, I've got the standing desk, we've got the whiteboards, oh, espresso nice. machine over here because really? I'm a caffeine addict. Oh, I don't um, know. A little bit of green screen over here that I haven't messed around with yet. Yeah, uh, planning to shoot some some marketing videos and and you know start That's to awesome. tell the world more about what I do rather than just in this podcast. Not that it's not enough people. This is a green screen right here. No, it's it not. is. I wish it was. Oh, this is. It looks great. This, this is my office. I mean, this yeah. is my garage, actually. Yeah. This is called COVID off. This is called COVID garage. So when you have nothing to do and you don't want to be hanging with your kids all day in the house and they're driving you crazy, garage. And what's cool about a garage is it has a fireproof door, which means when that thing shuts, you can't hear anything. So dad tricks. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I guess first, let me ask you this. Like, how, what's your first memory of golf? Like, did you play as a kid? Did your grandpa teach you? Like, when did you start golfing? Golf came later for me. Uh, I was a diehard baseball fan player. My dad was a huge baseball guy. Like when I think of my my childhood, that's what I think about is baseball, uh, trips with my parents to tournaments and such. Um, but when I was about six, I think my grandpa took me out to like a little par three and like, like the first shot I ever hit went on the green which was, you know, he was, he was stunned. He was shocked. And it was kind of like this casual thing I did with grandpa until about cool. 11 or 12. Uh, and then it became pretty clear to myself and my family that like, Hey, he's really good. So, uh, I started playing tournaments at 13. Oh my gosh. Um, 
and you know did like HAGA, and at the time it was called FCWT. Um, you know, traveled around the Midwest playing those, and then I, I I played both baseball and golf in high school. My dad was heartbroken that I ended up choosing to play golf in college and not baseball, uh, and that was a really hard decision because I actually got um, actually got scholarships for both to go play in college. Um, and I, I accepted both and I got down to, to school my freshman year and like, did one practice with the baseball team, and one practice with the golf team and was like, yeah, I'm going to have to decline that baseball scholarship. I just, I just want to play golf all day. Really? Day. Yeah. I didn't know that. Where'd you go to college at? I did my first year at a place called Lynn University in Boca Raton. And then I transferred up to University of Richmond, the Spiders, as most people know them. And uh, I finished out there. So what was your major in? I already know this, but... Yeah, I studied journalism. That was um, when I wasn't playing golf. I was, you know, watching news or playing around with, you know, adolescent writing Halo. things in that way. <laughs> no, like I, I, I didn't play a lot of video games. I mean, I did as a kid, like Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest and oh, I love all that those, game. All those amazing N sixty four games. That was my era. But um, no, it was it was pretty serious for me. You know, once I got into high school and I realized that you know, this golf thing was going to be a, a path for me to, you know, potentially make a living someday. I mean, I thought I was going to be Tiger Woods, like everybody else my age and being Tiger Woods in, you know, 2005 or whatever is different than being Tiger Woods in 2020, of course. But, um, I was just super serious and super focused and super into the game. And it really helped a lot, obviously in, in my career path where I kind of took all that golf knowledge and combined it with my journalism knowledge, at least to start and, uh, you know, started writing stories about it. So when did you start writing stories about it? Like, was it before you got your first job? Was like, did you have a blog or something? Or you just did it for like newspapers or what were you doing? Yeah, I never went the blog route. You know, it was kind of, probably would have been good back in like 2000. You should have, man. What's wrong with you now? Yeah, I, yeah. I would have been an OG in that space. At least You would have been. You would, space. I would know how to say but, your last name. Um, I was always super focused on like, uh, you know, getting into a, a company, like having a, a job, having... Uh, a platform. Uh, I was never too interested in starting something from scratch yeah. at that time. So it was harder uh, you know back it, then too. It wasn't like yeah, no one was reading. No one was reading blogs. I mean, and I wasn't. You know, I was. I was a golfer first. You know, I wasn't a tech guy. Um, so I always had that. I spent a lot of time on that golf thing. But you know, luckily, I, I enjoyed writing. I had. I had a good sense for journalism, and uh, I was able to get some jobs writing for PJTour.com right out of school. And then I was uh, doing some sports freelancing for the Detroit News, um, and that's when I that's when I hooked up with Golf WRX. Is, is right after that when they were looking to build a, a news presence. So what year was that? I would have been. I graduated in 2011, and I started with WRX in the fall of 2011. So you know, less than a year. So at that time, though, what was Golf WRX doing? They weren't doing all. Well, they do. They weren't really that that big yet, right? Yeah, they they were a huge forum. So I yeah, think, it was a forum. That's what it was. Yeah. I'd have to look back at the numbers, but I think they were maybe like 300,000 uniques or something like that, um, just oh based God. on the forum traffic. I mean, they were the, the biggest and baddest forum from day one. And you know, the founders did a tremendous job making that what it was. But the reason that I got brought in is uh, I, I knew the owner from being in Metro Detroit and being in the golf circles. And he knew that I was a college golfer. He knew that I was uh, studying journalism and media and that I'd worked at the tour and that I was working at the news. Uh, and they wanted to be, you know, a front page, glossy kind of uh, not news just outlet, a forum. not just a yeah. forum, because they were thinking in their heads, you know, how long is this forest forum thing going to last? Where's technology going to go? You know, what's our next uh, big thinking. thing? Yeah. So at 22 years old, you know, I'm in charge of building this, uh, you know, potential Goliath in the golf media space. So kind of, what what employee were you really at Golf WRX at that point? Because I mean, now they had a forum, but they weren't like, it's a forum. I mean, that's kind of self you know self uh, regulated i guess you could say you know with the forum and uh, admins stuff like that so what were you then like employee number what three four i think i was employee number two two that's what i thought i was yeah. gonna say i was gonna make it all shocking like two yeah dude you guys he was employee yeah. number two at golf wrx that's and crazy right when he told me that like two years ago i was like wait what seriously that's so freaking crazy i didn't so the owner was from detroit or the i never knew that yeah, he, he's uh, an auto industry guy. His family's been in the auto industry for some time. And uh, cool. when I was in when I was in college, I needed a place to practice when I come home from the summers. And yeah. you know where I grew up, there weren't a lot of very good golf courses, so I'd drive all the way over to the other side of the city to this place called Deer Run Country Club that 
allowed me to practice in the summers and, uh, you know, come out when you want and try not to bother anybody. And it's okay. It was really a cool situation like that. And I got to know Richard, who's the owner of Golf WRX. And it's funny, Richard's a really cool guy. And uh, he was really interested in my feedback when I was in college. So it actually took a couple of years for him to even tell me that he was the owner of Golf WRX. He'd come up to me when he'd see me on the range. He's like, what do you think about uh, what's going on on Golf WRX this week? I know you're on there a lot. I was like, yeah, you need to do this. You need to do this. He just, he just like talking about it. Like he had no idea he was like vetting you kind of yeah, like, getting no, your I'm, feedback. I'm giving him feedback on what the company should be doing. And I'm not realizing that I'm speaking with the owner of the company. And eventually he, he kind of spilled the secrets. And I guess that's why I was attractive, uh, you know, when they reached out to me is that I must have must have made some kind of sense to him, you know, and I was just giving him that that feedback. Honest feedback. It wasn't like you were trying to kiss his ass and be like, oh, it's the best thing ever. You're like, no, you should probably do this and that. Like into a, like a, a brand owner, that's huge, right? Because it's like, it's hard to get that information. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, the way we talk about it now, and obviously everything is in 2020, uh, 2020 in hindsight, right? But Golf WRX was like the first golf social media, you know, and and that was there was really you know there was no Instagram, you know, Facebook wasn't the place to go for news. Like, where did you learn about what was hot and new and interesting in golf? Where did you get videos and photos? You know, you watched the Golf Channel or you went to Golf WRX, right? That was just what you did in those. And times. I mean, there's all the magazines too, but they're always delayed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there wasn't that instantaneous. No. Um, I want to look at golf clubs right now, right? And uh, you know, I guess to keep with that example, what I was in charge of was kind of like Instagram stories, right? It was like the secondary feature that we were going to roll out on the website on top of the forums, not necessarily uh, the same as the forums, you know, but related, right? Yeah. So, so, and so this is like 2011, right? So, Golf WRX has this forum. I mean, 300,000 uniques. That's a lot of freaking people, dude, a month. Holy crap. Right. And that's just on a forum. Like, yeah, so, there were some other forums, but I mean, Golf WRX was that's 10, so 20, big. 30, I mean, 30 times the size. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you think about you guys, people are going to the website to be on a forum and there's 300,000 people a month. Brands would kill to get 300,000 people a month on a website. Right. And there's a website without like, they weren't, you know, it was a forum. That's all it was, you know, it was some other information, but I mean, that's just, it's insane. Right. In 2011, too. You know, I mean, that's just cool. So you come on board and like, what's the first thing you were working on? Like, what are they, what was it, what was going on there? I mean, I was, they let me do whatever I wanted and obviously within reason, right? I mean, yeah. if, if I you was got free reign, they're like, Hey, take this to another level. We got the forum, we got the traffic, but we want to make it into this. Right. Yeah, they were they were business guys and golf geeks. I mean, they they weren't going to tell me how to do my journalism, right? So no. actually, the way it started is they, you know, I told them you guys need articles. You know, you need stories about these. You can't just have pictures of a club. Like you got to say what's going on. So <laughs> I started writing these uh, monthly articles, uh, and they couldn't believe what attracted them to the the monthly articles I was writing and knew they needed more of it was that. Uh, the comments in the forum were like incredibly on topic because you know how it gets online, especially in forums. I mean, the conversation just drips and bobs and weaves and goes everywhere. And then dies. Yeah. And then yeah, three years but, later, you find it again because somebody Googled it and then they're like, oh, that's not what I was looking for. But, but these, I mean, these comments were just consistently on topic and they grew really fast. Uh, one of the first stories I wrote was about James Patrick. That was like a big deal with what was happening with Adele. And then once I... Um, I think this was when I officially became a, a salaried employee. One of my first phone calls was to TaylorMade, and I'm speaking to Sean Toulon, who used to essentially run the show over there, right underneath Mark King. And we're talking about white. You know, it's like one of the first deep discussions about white drivers that was ever published online. Because uh, I mean, did you see a lot of deep, in-depth coverage about equipment and golf and golf digest at the time? No, not really. You know, they were more focused on kind of the big picture of the game. I mean, I don't want to detract from the work that that um, the mics, as they call them, over at Golf Digest do. I mean, they're OGs and excellent reporters in yeah. the equipment space, but it just wasn't paid the same attention at that time as it started to be. And I think the reporting that we did in, at Golf WRX was a, a reason that it has gone that way since. Well, it's turned more into... It's not just about... Sto- it's more than just a story, right? Or a pr- it's like deep diving into something that people want to talk about. It's like almost taking to a forum to another level, I guess is a better way of saying it. Like where you can really get into it and then people can comment and be like, oh yeah, I see. It. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I think... I love Golf WRX. Like I've been reading it for forever. It feels like I don't even know. I mean, we I've contributed on there too, um, which I think is awesome. But you know, now it's huge. I bet they give her a million uniques a month easily. Yeah, so I don't have any, you know, I've been gone yeah. for over three years now. But, you know, the peak when I was there was, 
2 million uniques per month. Oh my God. So, I mean, it was, you know, I just think about, holy moly. Yeah. I mean, it was to me and, uh, Andrew Tursky was the guy I grew up with. He came in about a year after I joined. He's now over at at golf.com. Yeah. But we used to, we used to publish stories and when we'd sit in the back end of WordPress and, you know, we would know within five or 10 minutes that the story was going to take off because instantly it would have 5,000 or 10,000 views. And it, you know, I, I gained a really keen sense of what makes golfers react and, and what golfers are actually interested in just because you're sort of, you know, your job is to sit in front of this dashboard and watch the real, uh, real-time analytics come in. And, um, you, had you know, what's it always the stories? Yeah. For, I mean, for like, you had your, literally your hand on the pulse of golf, right? Like that was the pulse. Like if you want to see what makes people tick, not in a bad way, right. Or make them, that's, that's it. Right. I mean, that's the insight you would gain from that would be unbelievable. And I don't, you know, I, I guess at least in business, I'll probably never have more fun than I had in that moment. You know, the we were really starting something new and different, and it really had never been done before. And um, you know, like I said, I think our success at Golf WRX, the, the industry as a whole, the media industry as a whole, responded to it. And now you're, you know, now there's more golf equipment coverage than you can even read. Where before, you know, if you came across a really cool golf equipment article, it was it was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, even before that, like I remember as when I was younger, like you couldn't find equipment information. Like if you went to golf.com or whatever, they would have it, but it'd be like a five month old article. You know what I mean? So it was like, Oh, so-and-so is coming out with whatever. And it was like already, yeah, it came out like two months ago. You know, I knew to try to time it. Right. But it wasn't like, I mean, it's almost what I, what I love about golf WRX. Like one thing I love is the what's in the bag. Right. Because you're literally seeing like at that moment in time, I mean, it was brilliant, just brilliant. Like what they're using on the tour. Like, as of yesterday, you know, and it's not like you, you, you would never, you never knew that information. And then it's like, right. And the way they built that whole section out, like, you know, by, I, I love that. I, I thought that was always so cool because you could literally see if you knew nothing about golf, let's say you do nothing. Right. And you're like, I want to be a golfer. I want to play golf, but I don't know what product is good because everybody says X, Y, Z is good. Go to, you can go look at the what's in the bag and you'd be like, Oh, that's those guys are doing the tour. That's probably the newest and latest and greatest. Right. Because it is, I think that's really cool. Yeah, a really funny story about that. So I remember when Golf WRX, when we were originally talking with PGA Tour, you know, they, they brought up what's in the bag and, and they essentially they, they cautioned WRX against what's in the bag. And the reason they cautioned them against the, uh, what's in the bag was, you know, they say what's in the bags are like uh, a banana in the bottom of the bag, right? It just spoils. They spoil so quickly because, you know, you can publish what's in the bag on Monday. And by the time the guy tees off on Thursday, he's got a different bag makeup. So uh, you know, I can say for the guys over at Golf WRX now, and, and I was a part of, you know, trying to build out this really detailed what's in the back guide and to get every player. And obviously the, the photographers. Oh God, so many players. Yeah. And the photographers obviously are, are working their tails off too for Golf WRX, but uh, it's it's really hard work. It's everyday work. And, you know, you get a comment in the comment section where someone's saying, oh, he's playing this now. You guys are late. You know, like, come on. This Yo, is give me a break, guys. dude. Like, yeah. Just because you happen to go to that tournament that day and you happen to see him use a different club, don't make don't think you're cool all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, it's the thing about the what's in the bag though is that it ages very quickly, right? I mean, it, it literally can. Like what I like, I mean, what we try to do on our side at least with what's in the bag is like the last time they won something with it, that's what they were using. I don't. I'm not always updating like every week. I just don't have that kind of time. So it's like, oh yeah, if this you want to know what Tiger used to win this week or. You know, but if he hasn't won in six months, I'm not gonna update what's in his bag because this is a winning bag, right? I'm just, like that's a, kind of the way I probably try to approach it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. That's just how we do it. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to spend too much time looking backwards. But you know, now when somebody on TaylorMade staff or whatever wins, I mean, you get three emails with in-depth equipment information, right? But back in 2011, 2012, 2013, we used to have to beg for this information. You know, we'd go to whoever and say, "What was he playing?" and Sometimes oh really? They didn't wow. Want to tell us, or they had to get approval off the chain. You know, PR wasn't communicating those things like they are today. So, you know, it really has changed in a very short period of time. So, what? So you left three years ago, right? Golf WRX, and a little then, three years ago. Yeah, and then you went into consulting, right? That's the best way I can describe it. Right. You know, I, I had this incredible and rare experience when I was at WRX of being inside the buildings of all of these major, you know, yeah. they're golf companies, but at that time, especially too, they were Goliath sporting good companies, right? So you had Pila, you had Adidas, you had Nike. So, you know, you're, you're kind of learning how the golf industry works and, and, you know, what's behind the scenes, but at the same time, you're seeing how 
some of the most successful brands in the history of marketing do things and how they succeed and who they hire and what those people were like. And, you know, as much as I love writing stories and yeah, it was really, it was an honor and it was a joy to share what I felt like was, you know, the, the cleanest and clearest description of, of new products and why they mattered as I could, which I thought was really a service to, you know, people like me who were playing high school golf or college golf or trying to play at a high level and really wanted that information so they could get better. But um, you know, what I fell in love with was what was happening at these brands and, and kind of where the start was. Because as a journalist, you know, you kind of get the cake and it's 90% baked. And, and really what you're doing is you're kind of putting frosting on it. You know, you, you can't, it's cooked at that point, right? But yeah, it's already been uh, grown. It's just now refining and refining and refining or whatever but, they do. And I can't tell you how many times I would sit, particularly with Andrew, and I'd say like, man, if they would have only done this or who who thought this was a good idea, right? Or I was just so smart. And that's incredible that they did that. And, and you know, on the marketing and consulting side, I, I have that opportunity, right? I can I can start at 0% and we can figure out what ingredients we want to want to use in the product or um, the marketing strategy. But, you know, generally your, your most successful products, the, the marketing is is built in, right? It's It's not very smart to try and create a product and create a story after that. And this is what I love like talking to you about because like, I love that stuff. Right. And I feel like one thing that happens, I see a lot with, with our brand is you have a lot of new up and coming brands coming out or brands have already been established for a couple of years, but they never really brought in the marketing part of it. Right. They never thought it through or that's probably, probably really a bad way of saying it. It's more that like they've invented something really cool, but they don't know how to get out there. Right. And I, for, I mean, personally, I saw this when my dad did his golf training aid back in the late 90s, right? Like early internet, you know, he invented this thing called the AccuHit, bringing it back now, but it's really cool and it works, right? But like back then, my dad was, you know, there's a lot of people doing this as a side thing, right? And they try to build out a brand and then they go, oh, I have this really cool product and I, you know, why is everybody buying it? I went to the PGA show and I got a booth. Blah 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 blah, and it's like that doesn't even that's not going to move the needle at all, man. Like you're not getting in front of the right people, right? Or you're not getting the right feedback you need because maybe your product's really cool, but it's not. It's ninety five percent there, right? The other five percent is what you need to make it sell, you know. And I think that's really cool about with what you do is because you're you like starting with brands who come to you and say, hey, we need, you know, what do you think we should do, right? Can you help us? Take this to another level, and because you kind of did that with Golf WRX, right? Like you took something. It's that I don't know. I call I call it the hunt, right? It's the hunt. It's the hunt of growing a brand. Like I love it. It's like once you start growing a brand, it's like so addictive. It's not even funny. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, it, when I was at Golf WRX, I had relationships with a few people in the industry, and you know, off the record, they would ask for help. Right? They'd be like, yeah. "What do you think? What do you think about this? Or what do you think about this?" And this was well before it was going to be put in production or or finalized or whatever. And that was really cool. And I, I think that's. That's the cool thing about the partnerships that I have now is that you know, I'm really able to choose who I want to work with, um, and then and really make what I think is a, is a meaningful impact. And I, you know, the way I actually started was was interesting. So when I when I started this business, I thought, um, you know, I'm going to be mostly a consultant, right? I'm going to work yeah. with brands and I'm going to help them do X, Y, and Z and all the things that they needed to do. But you know, the, the value that I thought I could bring was the the strategy and the advice. And you know, to your point, you're working with some brands and you're realizing like this is great advice, but this guy or his team are so busy, right? Like mm-hmm. even if it's a perfect idea and it's it's something that they should be doing, I mean, execution becomes the issue. So, you know, really quickly I said, Okay, I, I can't just provide the strategy here. Like I need to create the results too. So um, you know, I'm not a coder. That's just that's not something I ever did or, or ever learned. Um, but I, I'm a good strategist, and I was able to bring in people who could help me execute that strategy around web development and creative design and, and advertising and, and all the things you need to do in modern marketing to create results. And um, I'm also quite lucky to say that they're golf guys. So uh, you know, I think the issue with a lot of big agencies, even the ones that do tremendous work, is if you, if you sign a golf client you've got to either hope that somebody in the building plays golf and can kind of guide and assist, or you're going to have a huge learning curve. And because my guys are all golfers, when we step into a golf brand, you know, we can start to create an impact on day one. Yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of brands probably fall into that trap, right? They either hire a marketing agency and be like, Oh, I, there's, there's a, I've learned this in the last couple of years. There's about a billion marketing agencies out there right now. Right. And half of them are full of shit. So 
I mean, it'll probably be more than that. And I've seen it firsthand. Other brands complain. I'm like, oh yeah, I paid XYZ brand $50,000 and they didn't do anything for me or whatever it might be, you know? And it's like, and they tell me what they did. I'm like, oh, they did that for $50,000. You got ripped off. Like, you know, but I'm not, it's, it's because those people don't understand what to do. You know, they can say, oh, I can do, we can do ads and we can do this, we can do that. But if it's not the right way of doing it, it's not going to get any results. And there's so many little facets too, right? Because it's like, it's not just about running copy. It's about the relationship with the consumer and actually building a story, right? And I think that's where a lot of people miss out on. Yeah, marketing has kind of a bad rap, especially in the journalism world where I come from, right? I mean, marketing is almost like a four-letter word. I mean, it's, you know, there's the good side and the bad side and, and marketers are on the bad side. But I, I don't, you know, it just depends what kind of marketing you're in. I think marketers more than anything need to be great utility players. Uh, and I don't... Jack of all you know, trade. I, yeah. I call, I call myself a marketing and consulting firm because I have to call myself something. But you know, essentially what we're doing is we're coming into a company and we're trying to figure out what the problems are. And then we're trying to come up with solutions to those problems. So, so you're really a problem solver. I mean, it's what you are, right? Like that's why I told, you know, being a lawyer, like, oh, what kind of law do you do? I tell people, I'm like, but honestly, I just solve problems all day. That's all I do. I'll solve problems. I use the law. The law is my tool, right? But I try to solve the problem. And it's the same thing with you, right? Like somebody comes into you and says, you know, we're having, why can't we sell product or whatever it might be? And, or why can't, you know, why does anybody know not who we are? And you're like, well, let's first figure it out. And then I'll tell you what I think you should do and help you actually execute it. See, that's the real key is the execution because there's only so many hours in the day, right? And so if someone's, if someone's running a brand and it's like an established brand and they have all this, like they have R&D and they have all this other stuff going on. It's like, they don't want to have to be the one to have to pull the trigger all the time on the market. They want to just make sure like, or they might hire the wrong person who doesn't have a freaking clue. So it's like you, that's why I love, that's why I wanted to bring on the show, right? Because I like, this is one of the smartest people I know in golf, you guys, seriously. And like, you know, cause he's seen it and there's not like, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people, especially in the last probably six months that like are, I call them like handlers, right? Let's call them a handler where they handle the brand, you know, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I manage 10 different brands or whatever it is. And it's like, Zach's not that guy, right? Zach's the guy that's like, oh yeah, I'm ingrained in this company and I want to see it grow, right? And I want to see them succeed, which I think is awesome. First of all, I appreciate the compliment, but it's clear I need to introduce you to some of the rocket scientists that work at the OEMs. <laughs> Those guys are a lot smarter than me. Um, yeah, but they don't sell product. That's a thing. Right. See, like you could be the freaking smartest person in the world, but if I, you don't sell one product, who cares? Like, I'm sorry, you have, but, a, cool, you have a cool desk weight. I don't know. But they're, they're literally rocket scientists. I mean, literally, you know, literally. They've awesome. been in space. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but, you know, we see ourselves as functioning as part of the executives, right? We're we're side by side with the leadership because I mean, there's a lot of client, I'm sorry, there's a lot of agencies that do good work and they're, they're kind of in their silo and they create results in that silo. And and clearly setting boundaries is important, but you know, we're, we're kind of working with brands that we see. Yeah. yeah, They have a potential to revolutionize an entire category at the golf game. You know, whether you're talking about lab golf or TPT shafts or jumbo max grips or, uh, we just recently started working with a company called Perfect Practice, which has created like oh really super sweet putting mats. So I know I got three of them in my garage right now. Oh, so you know? I didn't know you got them. I've been talking to them for dude. Why didn't you tell me that? I just like literally. I just shot a uh, unboxing video. Like yeah, it's it's new. It's, yeah, it's a new relationship. That thing's gonna blow. That thing's already blown up. They're already sold out like all the time. I already know that. So I'm telling you right now, Perfect Practice is is the bomb. Like seriously, it's the shit. Like and the price points like 175 bucks, I think, isn't it? Like right around there for like their standard. And it's like such a steal because this thing is that cool and that good. And like Dustin Johnson is like uses it all the time and like he's like their spokesmodel. See, I already know about the product. Is that cool? We'll talk offline about that. That's awesome. Good. Listen, you guys, the guy, the brands that he works with are like seriously the ones that are like the disruptors, right? That are changing the game. You know, and it's like that's why I like to work with. And I think that's why Zach and I like bonded, right? Because like it's the same dream, same vision. Like I see these brands and like that's why we support a lot of these small and mid-sized brands because the other ones are changing the game right now. And it's like they still have they just don't get the they don't get the chance to be put out there, you know, because they don't have the budget or they don't have the no the no knowledge. And I don't know. And I think for me, I it really resonates with me because of my dad. And I saw, you know, and I went through all of my dad with his trading aid, and I'm like, nothing's changed in 20 years. Same problem, same problems, 
right? Like, but I think our generation is changing it for ourselves because technology's allowed us to, you know? I mean, but and you're, you can, I mean, you've got a lot of big brands. Yeah. I mean, any, any brand that has some cash flow, right? Some budget to invest into Instagram and Facebook. I and mean, you can, today, you can reach hundreds of thousands of people. You know, you don't need to have your story on the front page of Golf WRX to get that kind of visibility anymore. And, or to golf.com you know, or... Yeah, it's it's incredibly powerful. And I think incredibly democratic. I think, you know, if you're running really good cool. Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Google ads, you know, the, the best story wins. So, you know, we try to pick brands that have the best story and then take them to a place where you, know, you can't help but recognize them. I don't know. That's what I call like... So, like the podcast, like what's the story behind the brand, right? I think people need to know those stories. I think it's so important because, you know, when I started the podcast, it was an idea about exposing my friends, right? Like their brand or whatever it might be. And because I think they're just, it's just so cool. You know, like things I've learned from people, I just had no idea. Like you think you would know the person one way and then they tell their story and you're like, holy crap, I didn't know you went through all that crap, you know? And I just, I don't know. I think you get a better it's all about the story, right? And I think a lot of brands have really cool stories, but some don't, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I'm not looking for, personally, I don't like looking for brands that are like, have crappy products or like just are trying to, I call them fake brands, right? Or they're like trying to make money off a golfer. And I just don't, I don't know. So like how, yeah, obviously you've been growing pretty quickly over three years, right? I mean, you've already signed, you got five big brands I know that you work with right now or four, you're probably even more that I don't even know about. So then what kind of services then you guys do? Like everything? I mean, are you like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're small. So obviously we can only work with a, a small number of clients. Well, yeah. and select. It's select. It's not like you're giving out to the masses. Like, hey, come, you know, you only have so much and time. It, right. And, you know, I, I opened and right away I was full. And uh, Oh, that sucks. Know, <laughs> it's, it's been really good in that way. And yeah. I haven't, you know, obviously projects end and, and so on and so forth, but I've never been in a place where I've needed business, which is not typically the entrepreneurial experience, right? Um, and, it, you know, the services that we provide, they, they do vary, but um, generally it's a, it's a reasonable commitment because, you know, five hours a month, what can you really do for a brand? You know, okay. it's, it's, it's pretty hard. I mean, you're basically on calls and, and trying to get an understanding, but you know, the, the agreements are, are fairly comprehensive and, and usually we're running uh, 25 to a hundred percent of the marketing tar- uh, department, you know, we can, with our, with our team, we can actually kind of function as a, a independent, rental. Yeah. Marketing independent marketing if you will. team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That does everything. It's not like, Oh, I always run the ad. It's like, it's, it's full service. So it's like, Oh, we'll, we'll tweak the site and we'll run ads and we'll check the conversions and like, we'll, and, you know, talk to other media companies see if they can do a review and you know it's like the whole thing it's a whole marketing team pretty much you're a you're a, you're like a mercenary marketer <laughs> well the, i mean the fun part is the the relationships that we have you know they actually expect us to, to generate creative solutions good ideas you know what they should do next where i feel like um you know sometimes it's more i have a job to do and they're telling me what i need to do x y and z and i'm going to try to achieve it but you know, i'm lucky to have a relationship with clients that believe that the sky's the limit for them and they're they're leaning on us to come up with ways that we can unlock that insane yeah. they want to see i mean because like i've worked with some of the brands with, you know, that's how we met right and it's like i love working with them like i you know like the guy like i've done a lot with lab as a brain everybody knows and that's why i met zach probably a year and a half ago was through lab and I love lab. Like seriously. I, and I actually had him on the show, right? Like, I don't know, probably two months ago, but I just, the lab putters freaking so genius. I, I don't know if you guys know this. So like I have his lab putter. So I have the directive force, right? And like I used it. I had it in my garage and I was putting with it. My friend came over and he's like, what's that thing? And he's like, that, he started making fun of it. He's like, that thing's massive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but it's deadly accurate. And he's like, yeah, right. And he like took it. And he started putting with it. And he hit like every single putt, like 12 in a row, right? And he's like, holy crap. And he's like, let me borrow this. And guess what? I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, like, he's like, oh, it's the best putt I've ever had in my entire life. I'm like, I don't have it back now, please. So, I mean, that's what's so cool because the brands that he works with are actually changing the game. Like, it's outside the box, you know? And things that you just... I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating. And then to have your mind with it, you know, with like how to help get it out there. Like that video, I don't know. Remember that video that they did at Lab where he just like talks about it, and he's in like it's the white background. I'm talking about. 
what I'm talking yeah. about, right? I love that video. I actually put that on my YouTube channel because I'm like, it's such a good video. And I sent it out to everybody. I'm like, this is the best video I've ever watched. It's so freaking funny. Um, yeah. But with the, what's that thing called? The revealer. The revealer. Yeah. Another really cool product. I there's a I think there's a fear sometimes in companies that you know marketer is going to come in and is going to make up this crazy story and we're not going to be comfortable with it and it's not going to be true and it's not going to be accurate and I you know I I'm proud to say that everything okay with your mic Paul yeah sorry okay I smell like, like this string hanging out I'm like what the heck <laughs> sorry uh, I was just I'm, saying I, you know. <laughs> Uh, marketing would be so much harder if I really had to start from scratch every time. But I don't believe that you ever do. You know, when I oh. when I came into lab and the new CEO Sam Hahn was looking for growth, right? Blow it out in every area. I love Sam. Uh, the the first thing we had to do was think about the story, and you know they wanted to talk about physics and science because they're all about the you know the world's only torque free putter and the way that line balance technology uh, helps you essentially not get flinchy. Right? It takes the flinchiness out of the putter. But you can't start there because you haven't earned that curiosity. You haven't earned that interest. So the the truth of the company that took me a little bit of time to find out was that all they wanted to do was to help people enjoy putting. That's like it. They just wanted to make putting more fun for people. So there's the story. There's 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 the story right there. Not yeah. technology. Like yeah, and like Sam was talking about that too on the show. Like that's they geek out on that, right? They love when people see their putter and they're like, "What's that?" And then they, yeah. yeah and I so think, I mean, the, go ahead, Paul. Oh, I was saying, yeah, you don't need to complicate it, right? Like, really, I think at the end of the day, the player wants to get better. So how do you do that? Yeah, so when you say things like, you know, make putting fun again, or you're a better putter than you think, putting doesn't have to suck. You know, we came up with all these taglines and all these ideas that they stand for a, an idea that's true. And sometimes, you know, like, it's tangible to feel like you're going to make a six-foot putt, like you don't have to miss that putt. And then sometimes it's more of an intangible story, you know, like uh, Jumbo Max, for example. These are the grips that are on Bryson DeChambeau's clubs, and they're they're huge depending on which size you get. They can be either a little bit bigger than a standard grip or, you know, all the way up to what Bryson plays, which is massive. Uh, and that's a little bit more of a not-so-tangible idea, and it's challenging the idea that there is a standard grip size because we all wear different size gloves. Yeah, is there really? Yeah, it's like, why is it all of a standard? Why do we have to have a standard? right like we don't and yeah. john mazanoble who's uh, one of the co-founders of jumbo max he says it best right like the way that the standard grip size was developed was some scotsman was hitting around wooden balls in a field and he took leather and he wrapped it around a hickory stick and all of a sudden you had your standard grip size like was that really the best size to go with guys yeah it's like it's like reimagining what the rules are right why is that the rule that's why i love with these brands right like you don't have the all the the mundane everyday technology, not technology, but like I don't know what we're used to doesn't have to be that anymore, right? And I think really playing off of that, like, is I don't know, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, to us, it's about empowerment. So you know, golf is a sport that you know, even though it has caused me many frustrations, it has empowered me to live a really good life and to make tremendous friends and to do something that I like for a living. And you know, that's how I think of it as a marketer. You know, how how can we get people excited about the game or, you know, just the the process of self-improvement in a way that it's it's just it's making them better in some way, shape, or form, right? I mean, like the person who has to work out every day, you know, like are you working out every day because you literally is necessary for your body to metabolically function, or do you like the feeling that it gives you that allows you to to you know perform the rest of the day in the way that you want? So I think about golf the same way. I think it's a supporter in people's lives that may take a lot of time and money, but without it, I don't know if I like that picture, right? At least if you're a serious golfer. Yeah, I think it's bringing the fun back in the game too. You know, like just being able to help players have fun with the game and not get frustrated and not know the truth, I think. And I think it's one reason why we started what we do, what I do, is because there's just a lot of like, you know, misinformation, I think. And I'm not saying it's on the brands or the industry. I just think because of the way technology is today with the internet, people, you know, can find the wrong products because there's ways of tweaking Google to be number one on the list for best whatevers. And that's like a five-year-old list of products, but they don't care. They just know how to maximize Google, right? So it's like, I think finding the right products for people, I guess for players to help them get better. That's kind of what really we're all trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. I know it's what you're trying to do too, right? But with your brands that you work with. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the communications around custom fitting in particular that, that we've seen, at least in the last decade, have been kind of around, like, you're stupid if you don't get custom fit, or like, your shaft's too heavy, or your shaft's too stiff, or you're not playing enough loft, you don't need cavity backs or blades, right? Like, you need this. So we're kind of telling golfers everything that they're doing wrong, and then we're expecting them to play more golf and buy more equipment. <laughs> I, yeah, right? And you're like, why is, yeah, I mean, outside of this year, right, when everyone's golfing because they can Right. Uh, but yeah, I was trying to think about that. Like just, there's so much, I mean, in the last 10 years, golf information is, is, you know, in- increased exponentially, right. Because of the internet and social media and stuff like that. So now it's like, what is right and what is wrong? You know, not fake. I wouldn't call it fake news, but it's like, it's just an opinion. But is that really the right opinion? I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like, I think that's the hard part, right? Especially for these brands that are don't have the budget, it's a massive budget to make that the news and say, oh yeah, this is what the technology and this driver is so amazing. It's going to make you hit the ball straight a thousand yards, you know? But but last year's didn't do it that as well. It's like, come on, really? But yeah, it's the big the big club com- uh, club companies. I mean, every year they've got to reinvent the wheel somehow, some way, and it's it's tough. I feel for them. I mean, I'd I'd love yeah. to work on those projects, and I am working on those projects. But um, you know, especially the big big guys, you know, the Titleist and the TaylorMades, that's a tough sale every twelve to eighteen months. Like, yeah, I could imagine having to reinvent a product every year, right? And say this one's better, this one's better. I mean, it's like I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just that like that's got to be t- really tough. You know, I, the, this is probably the first time I ever heard this, and I think it's valuable for, for you and your readers. So I was with Justin Rose at an event uh, for TaylorMade. I think it was the Adidas, when TaylorMade and Adidas were still together, it was the Adidas 360 shoe event. And I was talking to Justin Rose about his equipment, and, he, and I said, how often do you feel like you need to change equipment? Not TaylorMade is asking you to change, but like, when do you actually need to change it? And, and Justin at the time, this would have been like 2015, said... I need to make sure that I change my clubs every two years because you can get away with one year of not playing the latest and greatest. But if you go more than two years, you're probably losing a little bit of performance. But this this is a really technical guy who's plugged into everything, you know, spin rates and everything. But, you know, to him at the highest level of performance, he really did feel like every two years he needed to make a switch to keep up. It's almost like phones, right? Like cell phones or like laptops, right? Like you can get last year's model and it's probably not much better than worse than what's new coming out like new iphone 12 right oh it's latest and greatest it's 5g blah 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 blah. okay but is it i mean it's marginally better probably than iphone 11 right there's no doubt about that because it's newer but if you like if you have that if you have iphone 11 does it really matter no because in two years you're probably gonna get the iphone 14 or you know it's almost like but there are products out there that you don't need to change out every two years right that like your putter Right. If you have a good putter and you're able to, and, it, and you're locked in on that, you need to change it every two years because you got something that's deadly accurate. That's all you care about as a player. Now, you know, and I think that's the hard part because there's some technologies that are always growing, right? But there's some that's like, I think as a consumer, you're just looking for the product that works best for you. I mean, some people could carry the same wedge of 20 years, you know? And I think getting that message across to people, let them know like, Hey, this is actually much better than what you're using. Try it out. You know, it might not be the name brand. It might be some new brand you never heard of or some small shop in some small state, you know, but like, really, this is a cool product. Check it out. That's yeah. Do we have time for a quick fitting story? Yeah, of course, man. You have time to do whatever you want. So I got fit a million times when I was working with <laughs> Probably. And, you know, not fit by, um, somebody who just learned how to fit, you know, fit by people who were tremendously effective. Yeah. Real fitters at yeah, the yeah. brand. And most of my fittings would come out similar, you know, like my driver, I was like a seven X tipped an inch, nine and a half, 10 and a half degrees, you know, uh, a bit of draw bias. Like that was my thing. But you know, what I learned from being fit a million times is, you know, the, the track man or the, whatever you're getting fit on, like that's, that's the start. Like that's the start of the fitting process. You know, just because it's perfect on the launch monitor doesn't mean it's going to be perfect on the course. And uh, obviously not everybody has the luxury that I had, but you know, I could take five drivers that I was fit for and take them to the course. And for whatever reason, like one of them hit the fairway and one of them didn't, or one of them had a smaller miss bias to the left or right. So I'm taking all of these clubs, but really the only evaluation of how good they are is what's my score. And I think that gets lost to a lot of people, you know, because on the launch monitor, you might see more ball speed, lower spin, higher launch angle, whatever. You know, it might make more putts on Sam Putt Lab, but 
if you go to the golf course and that's not the case, you're you know, missing. that's telling, yeah. that's telling you something. And, uh, it's a bit tough because if you're getting fit at, you know, a, a fitting center, you kind of get that one chance and that's it. So, but I guess what I would say to that is, you know, don't hesitate to go back to the fitter for adjustments, you know, whether it's a tweak to loft or lie, because I just don't want people to think that the fitting is the end point. I, I really believe it's the starting point and, and it's a, a learning opportunity from there as to what could be adjusted or, or what might even work better in a couple of years. And I think that's one of the problems too. Like, you know, you walk into like a, a big box retailer and you say, Hey, what's a good driver? This is one thing I started making my website a couple of years ago. They're like, I don't know. They don't know. They have 10 drivers just came out and they're just, they only know what they know. Right. But they don't know what's really good for you. And then whether or not you get fitted. Okay. That's a, that's a other story, but you know, you go buy the new driver. Let's say you don't get fitted. Let's just buy it straight off the rack. Right. And then you take it to the course, spend $500 and they're like, Oh yeah, this one's the best because it has, it's the most forgiving. Right. And you use it and it doesn't really work for you. Now you spend $500 on a driver that you hate or it's okay. And maybe that driver is the perfect driver, but it just hasn't been torqued or tweaked or whatever the way you needed it to. And I mean, but it's still hard because most guys don't think about getting fitted, right? They're like, well, I mean, I didn't get fitted until like a year ago and it made all the difference. Well, at least in my irons, I didn't get fitted for my driver yet, but, um, but it made all the difference. You're like, oh, this was, I remember telling myself, I'm like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Oh, okay. I see. Now. You know, like I realized that even though I had, you know, brand new titles, you know, irons that I couldn't hit them worth a shit. So because they weren't made for me. So I don't know. There, there could definitely be a learning curve, right? But generally if it doesn't work right away, it's not going to get better. Not gonna work. No. Well, see, then golfers think like, oh, it's me, right? Oh, what am I doing wrong? Did I not twist or tore, you know, whatever? And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe you did the same swing you always do with your old clubs, but now your new club is not the right, it's not the right club. What I think is really cool, let me tell you this. I don't know if you knew about this, but I, I, I learned about this lately. So like golf, Global Golf has you try, which I think is freaking awesome as hell. Because you pay like, what is it, like $30 or something? I can't remember. But like, you can pretty much get the club, whatever club it is, try it for two weeks. If you don't like it, you can send it back and they already give you pre-postage in the box and all that stuff like that. And they, you just, you don't, no, you don't have to worry about it. And if you keep it, they just charge you whatever the driver is, which I think is brilliant because finally you can test something out because even it looks good on a launch monitor or, or not, unless you just buy it off the rack. You don't, you know, like if you, the same situation, you buy a driver and you're not happy with it, just send it back, you know, and then no harm, no foul. If you have the means, please take it to the course, right? Or you know, yeah, I'm it's the only in, way. Go play I'm, around. I'm up, in, I'm up in Detroit, so maybe you take it to the indoor hitting dome, right? That that could probably work too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's cool that like because technology allows us to now we're able to actually zero in our games, and we're also able to with like this you try thing, like actually test it out. You know, not just in a cage or at, at, at a PJ Superstore. You know, so what do you guys got? Go, what do you have going on? Like the in the next year, just continue your growth and, you know, do what you're, you've been doing. Yeah. I think we're going to continue to, to do what we've been doing. You know, we, we never want to be the agency that works with everybody just because you know, your quality is going to be lower. No. So you dilute um, yourself, right? You're diluting your, not you, your brand, but just your time, right? You can't, you want to focus on the brands you care about, right? And those clients that you have, like it takes a lot more energy for you to do what you do because you're doing more than what a normal marketing agency would just do. You're literally just taking, helping them. You're guiding them through this, through this whole process. Sure. Yeah. So we're, you know, we've added staff this year. Uh, we'll probably add some more. Uh, and really, we just want to make sure that we're able to deliver everything a brand needs to create the kind of growth they want to see. Well, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. I mean, I've been bugging you for like, a, I don't know, six months about this. Hey, I got to get you on the show. But I don't know. I just think like, what you do and your stories and like what you've accomplished in your career. I think people should hear about it and learn more about what you do. And like, the, the you know, like we've only barely scratched the surface, you guys, like, cause I mean, he has all kinds of stories from when he's with golf WRX, but you know, I think it gives you an insight on the golf companies that you work with. And I think like, it's cool to show people, you know, that somebody like you exists, right? Like this, well, this, I- yeah, I, I don't know how many young listeners you have out there, but just to to share a personal story. I mean, when I look back at my trajectory of my career, it makes perfect sense how I got to where I'm at. But you know, when I was 18 or 22 or even 26, there wasn't that this really clear understanding of how I could get to this point. It wasn't there. It was it wasn't Plan A. You know, Plan A was to play golf. It wasn't yeah. Plan B. Plan B was to be a journalist. 
it, it's plan C, but I can't imagine loving anything more than plan C. So, well, I think I your guess, plan C is like a mixture of plan A and plan B, which is really what is perfect, right? Cause you get to play golf and you get to work in golf and you're still a journalist kind of, I guess. I mean, I guess what I just want to say is to anybody, especially in this climate that might be kind of trying to figure out their career or might be worried about what work looks like them going forward. You know, like I said, I, I plan A didn't work and plan B wasn't what I wanted, but you know, it seems like at every point in my life, there's been this kind of little thing sitting off to the side that just kind of feels within reach and kind of feels natural. And um, I think sometimes people can get too into like trying to make it perfect. And I think sometimes we just, if we grab an opportunity and we, we, we see how it works, you know, kind of like what we do in marketing, right? Like we, we test and we test and we test and we test. We, the biggest mistake in marketing you can, you can make is to be committed to being right because you're not going to be right. You can be close to right. And you keep taking that feedback and you turn it into a really successful marketing campaign or department or whatever. So yeah, I, I just feel like uh, there's always this little opportunity sitting off to the side. It kind of excites you. It makes you happy. You know, it, it seems like fun. And if you're trying to think about what's next, maybe take a look at what's beside you. No, that's cool because I think a lot of young people think that they should go that route. They think they need to like be the golf pro, right? Not even on the tour, even on the like I had a Luke Davis on the show a couple of weeks ago. He owns Lion Loft. And like it was the same same thing, you guys. Like, you know, he was wanted to be a pro. That was his thing. And then he realized that like he was going to uh, you know, work as the you know, pro at the shop, right? Like pro at the course. And he really had realize same thing where it's like, you know what? That's not what I want. But what I want to do is this other thing. But I think it's kind of how you grow, right? You always kind of make these little choices along the way. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that we're kind of known for at this moment, we're really good at Facebook and Instagram advertising for brands. And obviously a lot comes along with that. When I graduated high school, there was no such thing as Instagram and Facebook advertising. It hadn't been invented yet. So you know, how could you how could you know what you want to do if it hasn't even been invented yet? I Dude, I was gonna be a pilot, and I'm like right? doing this. Like honestly, like you just do what's fun. I don't know. Right? If you if you hate it, stop doing it. Right? Yeah. If, if it's not can, fun, I mean, that's it. Right? When this is not fun, then I stop doing it. That's literally my mantra. Like for this, at least. I mean, this is fun. Yeah. I mean there's situations where you got to keep paying the bills, right? And please feed your family, like keep, keep paying the bills, but at least start making a plan. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show today. Um, I really appreciate just like our friendship and working with you over the last few years and you being on the show and like sharing your story and about your growth and everything you've gone through. So it's really cool. And I'd love to have you back again sometime. Yeah, this was a blast. I don't get to do this a ton. So I appreciate you allowing me to explore a bunch of different topics and tell stories. And I hope to do it again. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. All right. Bye, Paul. Thanks for listening to another episode of Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. You're going to beat me? The golf. Stay connected on and off the show by visiting golfersauthority.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Golf is always more fun when you win. Stay out of the beach and see you on the green. green.